0: Hello, sweet parents. Welcome to the When Our Adult Children Walk Away podcast. My name is Dr. Janet Steinkamp, and during each episode of When Our Adult Children Walk Away, I will provide my professional and personal insights, information and opportunities for your self-reflection and growth, tips and tricks to make every day count, and encouragement to keep moving forward. I'm here to help you dig deep and get down to the root causes so that you can find your way out of the darkness To a positive and lasting relationship. Grab your notebook and a pen, settle into your favorite chair, and let's get to it. In this episode, we are going to take a deeper dive into the first stage of estrangement grief. In my overview episode, in the first episode of this series, I referred to it as denial, and that is consistent with what Elizabeth Kubler-Ross defined as the first stage in grief related to death. And many, many, many folks working in the area of estrangement also refer to that first stage as denial. Over the last four or five months in my uh, work with various people and more uh, research into what the data is telling us, I've changed my position on this first stage. Instead of denial, I would suggest that the overriding experience in this first stage is disbelief. Disbelief because we don't even recognize it's happening to us in the beginning. We see the signs, we make excuses, we can come up with a hundred different ways that our adult child is just taking a break. Why is this any different than the other times they've gotten a little quiet or gotten mad at us and gone home? This is different though, and it takes us a while to accept the fact that this truly is a new state in the relationship or a complete severing of the relationship. If you have not had a chance, please go back and listen to my episode on um, the continuum of grief, because that is also um, very closely tied to this first stage. Depending on where we sit on that continuum of estrangement, it may become more difficult to really recognize what's happening, to believe that we truly are now sitting on that continuum. So let's talk uh, just a minute here about the grief cycle in entirety. So there are six stages, disbelief, anger, despair, acceptance, transformation, and maintenance. In this first stage of disbelief, as I said, it takes us a while to really believe what's happening is happening. We put on what I would call a full court press of uh, defense mechanisms. We'll talk a little bit more about the defense mechanisms in just a minute, but I want to talk more about our refusal to believe the, the reality of our situation. We are able to modify our story to protect ourselves from the truth. Sometimes we do this as trying to gain perspective. Uh, We explain things away. uh, We begin to withdraw, reject the facts. We even reject other people's warnings. We try to contradict and explain away. We make excuses for our adult children's behavior. In the disbelief stage, we begin to experience that shame and helplessness and resolve, our ability to make excuses begins to crumble and we start having to let ourselves understand the reality of the situation. Our shock, panic, overwhelming doubt, uh, denial, we're minimizing, catastrophizing. Something must be terribly wrong. This must be a mental health emergency and sometimes it is sometimes we use that as a way to explain away the reality of our uh, adult child pulling away. We rationalize and we're skeptical. And as you may have experienced when we are in this early level of estrangement, on the early end of the continuum, we often swirl through the first stages of grief. We begin to move through disbelief into anger into despair and back again and I should mention not everyone starts in this stage we may start with anger we may be just um, overwhelmingly mad and indignant and we say things like how dare they how could they have the audacity don't they know how much they need me we move through those first three stages in kind of a cycle so when we are in this stage of disbelief, we're really convincing ourselves that our reality is different than what it really is. In a way that is a protective measure. It gives us time to adjust and prepare ourselves for what's coming next, which is the the pain and the shame and the emotional desperation to reconnect to convince our adult child to come back to us. Explain away our behavior. The reason we're experiencing grief is because of the depth of the loss. There's a very direct alignment between the depth of grief and the level of emotion that we're experiencing. No matter where you are in your relationship or where you sit on the continuum You are experiencing some level of loss, and so therefore, you are, by virtue of that, experiencing grief. So, when people say, as we do in this disbelief stage, they're not really gone, Um, they'll be back, they'll realize they need me, we'll see them at uh, the wedding next week, and so I'll apologize then. We, in this stage, are texting, we're calling, we're sending apology notes. We may be scolding, we may be uh, just trying everything we can to keep ourselves from having to admit to the reality. We might wonder why we work so hard to discount and convince ourselves that this isn't happening, that our reality has not changed, the relationship has not changed in a very permanent uh, manner. We simply are not ready to believe it. The evidence is not conclusive. We're not ready to give up on our role as the primary decision maker and influencer in our adult child's life. And different than a significant loss from death, this loss is a relationship by choice. How could my adult child ever choose to cut ties with me, to cut off our family, to become silent and not acknowledge us? How could they do that to me? The disbelief in this stage is so grounded in self-protection that we engage every defense mechanism we have. So let's run through these defense mechanisms quickly. And then there'll be another episode specific to the defense mechanisms. And we'll dig into them a little bit deeper. The first defense mechanism prominent is denial. The second is distortion, which involves believing, convincing ourselves that our own behavior was excusable, misinterpreted, that we really did not intend to cause the pain that we did, and we might not have. By the time an adult child decides to cut ties or remove themselves, become quiet, start to pull away, they've already given us every opportunity and made excuses for us and so they're done with that. They're really done with that but we are not ready to say they are done with that. The third defense mechanism is projection. The fourth is disassociation. The fifth is repression. Sixth is reaction formation. The seventh displacement and the eighth intellectualizing. These defense mechanisms are the same defense mechanisms we use In our life, right? So we have kind of a safe or our default mechanism, the place we go when we are most needing to protect ourselves. For example, I tend to intellectualize. I want to talk about the facts, I go to my head. I want to talk about the highest level of intellectual aspect of a situation as I can, because that's my safe place. I can recite research. I can explain, use big vocabulary, and try to deflect with this uh, approach. So you all also have a default defense mechanism. So it's important for you to spend some time thinking about that. How do you defend yourself? And when you are defending yourself, what does it look like? The reason that's important is because then you know when you start to check into that behavior, you can really Uh, Allow yourself the opportunity to reflect. What am I afraid of? What's the risk? What's the threat? What will happen if I allow myself to really look at the reality and I choose to deal with it? And that can be done in in bite-sized parts. Our ability to absorb and accept reality in pieces is really a very healthy and self-protective strategy. We don't have to rush through this process. There's no time limit or expectation of how we move through the various stages of grief. And to our advantage, it's a quiet time for our adult child. We can relax. And when we start to accept the situation, We can take our time and be strategic about how we move forward. I've sat with many, many hurting parents who genuinely were mystified by what was going on. They really did not know what led to their child's sudden desire for distance. They say things like, I never thought this would happen in in our family. They're stunned and disoriented. I did that myself. I said for a very long time I can't believe that this is happening to us. There was a part of me and I think it's not uncommon that had to accept I was one of them right. Our family was what I thought to be pretty picture perfect. Our children never wanted for anything when they were growing up. We had a peaceful family. We had family dinners. We really followed all the rules and all the recommendations of raising children. We did some things now, as I look back, that were not the best. They maybe were advised. They maybe were recommended. They were what all of our peers were doing. They weren't in the best interest of our children. Again, we'll talk about some of that in another episode. At this stage, the question of responsibility begins to emerge, but the answers are hard to pin down. We vacillate between questioning our child's integrity, and blaming our own inadequacy for the separation, for the cooling of the relationship. The concerns at this stage are why is this happening and how do I fix it? We get desperate, right? But don't panic. The main task of this disbelief stage is to overcome our resistance to reality and the sheer panic. When we lose contact with our children, this can trigger trigger all kinds of separation anxiety. It can compel rejected parents to say and do things they later regret. They may engage or we may engage in one or more of the following behaviors that are typical. They're ineffective, but they're pretty typical. We chastise our adult child for being unreasonable. We accuse them of being cruel and selfish. We beg our children to answer our calls and our texts. We start recruiting other people to try to influence the child or cheerlead for us. All of these things will come back to haunt us. The best advice, the best strategy in this time is to give them space. To respect what they're asking for, which is our silence. They're asking for space. The sooner we can give them that space, the sooner they will come to believe that we are going to respect them, that we are going to do what they ask, respect their boundaries. If your child is keeping distance right now, you have time to breathe. If you had a good relationship before this uh, separation, they still have that foundational Um, knowledge of your love and caring so when we sit in this place of denial and we act out of panic and desperation we're actually causing a greater rift we are reinforcing what our adult children saw and what they really were trying to get away from the sooner we can allow ourselves to agree that our adult children really are asking for space And we are really expected to give them that space the shorter the time apart might be. I'm so happy you made it to the end of this episode today. If you're feeling a bit more hopeful and like what you've heard here, please share this podcast with someone who you know is also struggling as a parent in their relationship with their adult child or other family member and who could use some hope, help, and healing. If you have a second, I'd love it if you'd leave me a thumbs up click on the word follow and head on over to the when our adult children walk away website so until next time my friends be brave be kind to yourselves and stay hopeful